Hello, strong, feisty women. Some of you may recognize my voice. I'm Celine Yeager, host of the Hit Play Not Pause podcast. Throughout my career as a professional health and fitness writer and now a podcaster, I hear countless questions from women who are trying to understand how their ever-changing hormones impact their sports performance. So we decided to serve up some answers in a brand new series called Hormonal that we will be releasing on the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast feed. Throughout this four-part series, reproductive endocrinologist Dr. Carla DiGirolamo and I will be tackling topics like periods, the pill, pregnancy, and conditions like PCOS, all from the perspective of sports performance. If you aren't already, follow the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast and stay tuned for our first episode releasing on April 15th. Also, have questions you want answered? Send us a voice note at speakpipe.com slash hormonal and we'll get it answered on the show. You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a podcast for women who are chasing epic and everyday adventures on their bikes. We are a production of Live Feisty Media and hosted by Christy Moon and Katherine Taylor. Catherine, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Swell. So are you really swell? Because yeah. you're looking a little like not that far off in an event panic. <laughs> no, it's good. It's all good. You know, there's a lot to get done every day right now. Yeah. But it's all doable and it's it's gonna be a great weekend, and I'm really looking forward to it. And um, yeah. You're going to be here. We're going to get, we're going to get to meet in person. I know Uh, it's going to be so weird. It's going to be really weird because I, I really don't think I understand how tall you are. (laughs) I'm five ten. I know. And I'm, and I'm not. (laughs) Oh, and then Claire's coming with me and Claire's taller than I am. Oh, good Lord. She's like Amazon women. She's at least six foot. Yeah. People will be like, where's Christy? If we're yeah, I'm so short. And I don't ever think of myself as short until I see myself in pictures. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so short. I so. always, well, I don't, I wanted to be short at a point in my life because I was like, you know, like all the little cute girls were short in school and I was always just like way taller than everybody, but I've actually for the most part, really appreciated my height. Throughout Good. My life. Good. Cause I always wanted to be tall. Yeah. I'm a terrible basketball player. I always got asked, can you play you basketball? basketball? Can you play basketball? I'm a terrible basketball. Anything mm-hmm. with a ball, volleyball, basketball. I mean, we talked about it. I run into trees and fall off my bike. Yeah. In the past. I'm yeah. just, there's not a lot of coordination going on here. Kind of the same way. Two wheels straight forward. Yeah. You got to do some riding over the weekend though, right? I did. We had the major Taylor Kansas city chapter down. They are, they are doing some awesome stuff for the weekend for unbound. I think they have like 64 athletes coming. He said, I can't remember how many States they said they had coming, but I'm excited. So, um, we've been doing a unbound gravel has been doing a a partnership with them and they've taken full advantage of it and they're going to crush it. I'm so stoked. So I've done some zoom training calls with them and then they came down to get a little taste of the Flint Hills gravel. They'll be back, um, in a couple of weeks to do it again. And, um, and then it'll be showtime. So it's, it's been really fun. That's yeah. exciting. It was. How about you? What did you do this weekend? Same thing I'm probably going to be doing for the next three weekends, which is getting my house ready to go on the market. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's not that exciting. Cause then I am, I'm trying to stay in shape, you know, cause I'm hoping to travel some places and do some writing over the summer as I'm heading out West. So but that means the trainer just because it's more efficient. Right. Um, so I, but I was proud of myself cause I signed up for the unbound times out ride thing. And I was, I tend to do workouts, not like just get on and ride Zwift, but I'll do like some kind of interval work or something. Mm-hmm. So then you're like, you know, you might be going really hard for 45 seconds, but then you've got like a long rest 
and I was doing um, Alpha Zwift. So I was going yeah. up the whole time and I got to the end of the cool down. I was like, I'm going to turn around so I get more miles. <laughs> Good for you. I know. <laughs> work, in the system, work in the Zwift. Yep. Work in the Zwift. I did, this was, I did uh, Batman intervals outside today and literally 30 mile an hour winds out of the South. What Just Batman intervals. Um, when you look at them on the graph, they look like a bat. They have like you go really hard and then you go somewhat hard and then you go really hard again. And the, the two hard efforts that sandwich the, the somewhat, the middle size effort are short. So they look like little ears sticking up yeah. like, like Batman. Yeah. Like 10 or 15 second really hard sprints. Well, they're a minute and then four okay. minutes hard and then another minute super hard. Yeah. I guess like when you're on the trainer, if you're doing stuff like that, you can get really, really high Watts, which it's harder to match outside, but not when they're starting our wins. If you ride straight into the wind, yeah, um, it, it was, it was hard. And I finished, I finished the intervals and had gone 11 and a half miles in an hour. <laughs> but you know, you, you, then you have like the cool down in between. So then you have to like soft pedal into the wind. And that still was, yeah, it's still I was probably going two or three miles an hour when I was doing that. Cause I was trying to, you know, but I had to be at a meeting back in town and I was like, Oh, I think I screwed this up, but I turned around and headed back to town and was going no end. 30 miles an hour. Yeah. Like just, it, it was so fun. Just flying on the gravel with like no effort. It was so fun. So yeah. it was a good, it was, it was a fun day on the bike. But that sounds pretty fun. Yeah. It sounds more like more fun than the trainer, but it's just yeah. for a short season. Yep. I'm just sucking it up. Um, we have something fun out right now. What? The new merch? Oh, the new merch. Oh, good. Yeah. That's what I thought you were going to say. And I was like, did I miss something? No, we have um, really fun I, uh, tanks and t-shirts and long-sleeved hoodies out right now. So they're on sale through May 9th. And we'll put the link in here, but it's also like on the Girls Go Gravel site and stuff. And I'm doing this because I wanted to see what kind of stuff people are interested in. We'll do a bigger order and have some inventory later in the summer at some events we're at. Uh, but right now everything comes out of my pocket. So I'm doing it through one of those companies where you pay for it when they order it and then they ship it to everybody. But it should be there. They said by the end, I said, I need this gear on my body. <laughs> by June 3rd, I said, so it should be there, you know, by the end of May. So, so, but it's super cute. It is cute. So um, I need to get on and pick something out. So, cause uh, I don't think I want to wear my sweatshirt. Yeah. And that's the old logo too, but oh, it is. Yeah. yeah they have, um, these super lightweight hoodies, which I love for summer. Cause it's well, maybe not in Kansas, but some places where, you know, you still get, it's a little chilly in the morning. Yeah. You don't need a full on hoodie. No. Love it. They pick the colors for the, the shirts and they're all super cute. Yeah. I thought they were really cute. Yeah. So. Well, pretty- who's our guest today? Oh my gosh. I'm so excited about today's guest. Um, <laughs> I was watching, well, I followed Marley for a while actually, but I didn't realize that she road gravel because she's often she riding around Seattle and then Shimano came out with a film uh, about three or four weeks ago called all bodies on bike all bodies on bikes Mm -hmm. and Marley and her friend Caitlin um, are in that and it's just talking about size inclusivity on bikes and so I reached out to her on Instagram and said do you want to be on the podcast and she said yes and she is great. It's a super fun conversation. It's a super fun conversation. I actually learned a lot from this conversation and she just found out last week that she wanted entry to Unbound. Yeah. So we're going to meet her. We're all going to meet there. And then she's going to be a steamboat. It's going to be a summer of love <laughs> and bikes. <laughs> and hopefully Much no- different than last summer. Let's just yes. say that. People, people. I'm yep. afraid I'm socially awkward at this point though. So I am so <laughs> we'll have it figured out by then. So we get to practice in a couple of weeks. So uh, well, yeah, by steamboat, but I might be a little socially if I meet you in Kansas and I'm socially awkward, I'm sorry. But same. <laughs> well, we're gonna go ahead and get on with our interview with Marley Blonsky. 
Hey, Christy. Hi, Catherine. Hey, are you thinking about your 2021 gravel adventures? I don't know who isn't thinking your 2021 gravel adventures. I know. Well, I kind of have a new bucket list race. What is it? It is a gravel stage race right outside of Calgary, Canada called the Trans Rockies Gravel Royale. Have you heard of this? Um, you know what? I have. I think it sounds amazing. Four days, four days of riding, 230 miles, 23,000 feet of climbing, and it's all in the Canadian Rockies. I think that sounds epic. Yeah, it's setups where they carry your tents, cook your food, and provide your medical support and more. And like set up a big party every night. That is the best kind of glamping right there. Yeah, it's really the only kind of glamping I will do. <laughs> I, I believe that. <laughs> and you know what's cool is they are holding early bird spots for women because they're really working to get more women on the starting line. So if people are interested, where do you think they should go, Christy? Uh, TransRockiesGravelRoyale.com. I bet that site's got all the information. <laughs> I think it does. And fingers crossed we'll be at some awesome 2021 adventure soon. Christy, do you know one thing that I'm really sick of? What is that? All the freaking trends and they're coming out in wellness. Like eat this, uh, avoid that. I don't even yeah, know where to start. I, yeah. I don't know where to start. I don't know who to trust. Yeah. But we have a new sponsor that I'm pretty excited about. Have you, have you yes. done your stuff? Yeah. I'm so stoked. Yeah. So Inside Tracker is our new sponsor and they're going to cut through all the noise and they're going to analyze our blood, DNA, lifestyle, and fitness trackers. And then we get personalized science-backed trackable action plans for how we should eat, age. We need that and perform better. I know. I'm excited. It's the cool thing about it is it's, it's cheaper and it's way more convenient than the traditional blood tests. Um, they include biomarkers that are key to performance. So, so information that we're not getting from traditional blood tests. Um, and I think my favorite part is that they're not just going to give us the data, but they're providing us with nutrition and lifestyle tips to help us take action and cut through the noise. Yes. I love that. Cause I feel like whenever I go to the doctor and I get blood tests, I have no idea what to do with them. Right. Exactly. Yep. And I don't, they don't apply to like whatever I'm doing. Um, and the good news is because they are a sponsor of the podcast, all of you all get 25% off their entire store. You just go yes. to insidetracker.com slash girls gone gravel. Change is an inside job. Start on the inside. Christy, you got bangs. I did. I got some bangs cut. <laughs> you look like a movie star. <laughs> You're very, very, very kind. So I'm going to put a video. Either that or you, you should actually get a pair of glasses. <laughs> I have five pairs of reading glasses and I can't find any of them and my eyes are killing me. Um, uh, I feel a little left out though, because our guest today also has on a fabulous pair of glasses. She does. <laughs> and I'm also really excited. Actually today, when we were going around our staff meeting at Live Feisty, somebody said, what, what are you most excited about this week? And I said that it was today's interview. Um, so I'm so excited you're here with us. Thank you. I feel like I have a uh, big expectations to live up to now. Not at all. We just, uh, we love talking to people and hearing their stories. <laughs> well, thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. Well, why don't you uh, start out just telling us your story, how you got into cycling? Sure. Uh, yeah. So hi, I'm Marley, uh, Marley Blonsky. And uh, I got into cycling after I got divorced, uh, <laughs> which... <laughs> Um, I think it's probably the best outcome out of a divorce that you can hope for. Right. Um, but so I'm, I live in Seattle and I had been living in an area of town called West Seattle. That's kind of, um, a little Island, I guess. Um, actually right now it literally is because there's a bridge that is broken, but, um, I moved to Capitol Hill, which is like a dense hip area close to downtown. And, um, I had a car that was useless. Um, I mean, the car worked, but having a car in this part of town was really stupid. Um, and, you know, I was like 25 at the time and saw all these like cool, at least to me, they were really cool people riding bikes. And I was like, I want to do that. Um, so I talked to my friend, Ian, who worked at a bike shop and raced bikes and said, hey, Ian, can you help me find a bicycle that works for me? And he was like, yeah, cool. Let's make it happen. Uh, but it turns out when you're five foot one and fat, um, 
finding a bike that fits you is a lot harder than uh, we thought it was going to be. Um, so it took a, quite a bit of time to find me a bike that worked and went through quite a few different bikes actually until I landed on one that I loved. And that was really the beginning of it. And that was, gosh, eight or nine years ago now. And started out thinking I loved road cycling and then uh, destroyed a road bike by taking it on a lot of gravel and a lot of bikepacking <laughs> and uh, <laughs> learned that there are purpose-built bikes for those kinds of things. And uh, the, the adventure's just kind of gone from there. And then, uh, yeah, I now have way too many bicycles. I have a cargo bike, I have gravel bikes. That, yeah, that's, that's kind of where it started basically is with a really bad divorce that broke my heart and then uh, biking kind of healed it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're right. Like not necessarily the divorce, but the fact that the bike helped you get through that. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, there were so many things that come along with that. And I think a lot of us can probably relate, you know, finding community. And for me, being on the bike is like really meditative and finding adventure and finding fun and just so many different things. Like it's about the bike, but it's not about the bike. Um, and I think a lot of us can probably relate to that in lots of different ways. So I'm super curious. What was your first bike? Um, oh gosh, it was a, oh, I'm totally like, it was Nishiki. It was like a steel Nishiki, uh, just road bike with like down tube shifters and steel wheels. And it was beautiful, really, really beautiful, but it was just way too big. Um, and so that's not the one I destroyed. I quickly got off that one when it was like very obvious that, that was too big. Mm -hmm. Um, so then I got on a live avail, um, just a real cute little road bike. And I broke so many spokes on that bicycle. Um, cause it had like 23 millimeter tires, just real oh, tiny. Um, and I probably weighed like, I don't know, 250 pounds at the time. So I probably exceeded the weight limit for the bike. And then I was putting bike camping gear on it and just like <laughs> <laughs> destroyed it. Um, That's incredible though. Yeah. Yeah. So then I very quickly switched over to a Surly Straggler, which is what I still ride and love. And, um, you know, I've upgraded and changed out all sorts of components, but still going strong. Man, Surly's make those bikes that just go forever. Yeah. Indestructible. Yeah. <laughs> See that bike that you have like a little stroller on the front for your dogs. I do. Yeah. So I have a bullet. Um, it's a Larry versus Harry bullet. It's a cargo bike. Um, so I think technically it's called like a box feats or a box bike. So very like European style. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just a cargo bike. Uh, lots of folks will transport their kids in it, but I don't have kids. I have two old dogs. Uh, and they, yeah, they, I think they love it. I mean, I don't speak dog, but, uh, <laughs> it's funny cause we'll go down to the garage and, um, one of my dogs is like a an old dachshund that's not very nimble, but she'll go up to it and like put her paws up on it. And then the other one will actually jump into it. So to me, that seems like enthusiasm for it. Um, they're excited about it. I, I yeah. have a question about how that thing steers though. Yeah. Does it like, is it like a big, like, how does it steer? <laughs> so, um, it feels like a regular bicycle when I ride it, but then it does have like an extended little steering arm that connects to the front wheel. Um, it takes a little bit of getting used to, um, like tight corners can be problematic. Uh, but in general, it feels really good. Um, just a little bit of foresight <laughs> and you realize like how inaccessible our cities really are, especially, you know, for folks who are in wheelchairs or strollers, um, or on heavy bikes, <laughs> trying to maneuver around like poles or uh, in Seattle, we often have to like hit the crosswalk button to get the light to activate. Um, and on a bike that weighs 200 pounds, when I've got it loaded up, like that's really hard to do. Um, so that's been really eye-opening. There's a lot of hills. Luckily my cargo bike is electric. Um, so that was one of the main motivators in getting it. Um, cause when I first got the dogs, um, because they are senior dogs, you know, we'll walk maybe a mile and then they're dragging. They're just, you know, kind of really pooped out. So I was like, okay, this is going to put a real damper on my lifestyle. So I tried a trailer um, and both of them combined weigh like 75 pounds. 
so that was really hard. So kudos to all those parents who are like pulling their kids in bike trailers because that is really hard work. Um, so then I was like, cargo bike it is. Um, <laughs> electric cargo bike specifically. Um, and that's really opened up the city to us again. Um, that's awesome. Thanks. How really far fun. can you go on a charge? Um, the farthest we've done so far is like 40 miles. Um, and that has, that's kind of the limit of both their energy level and mine. Um, I have gotten smart though and started bringing the charger with me places. So, you know, if we're like at a brewery or something, I can just plug in the charger and top it off a little bit. So I think if there was a smaller rider, like don't take this as like, oh, Marley said electric bikes go 40 miles at a charge. Um, it's, you know, so dependent on the topography and how much you weigh and how much of a boost you're using. There's so many factors that go into it. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm re- I'm starting to really think about these electric bikes, especially because I'm looking to move and depending on how bike friendly it is, because there's some really good tax credits for them right now. Yeah. They're a game changer. Um, I quit my corporate job a couple of years ago. I'm, I'm back at it, but I quit my corporate job and I actually worked at a, um, a family bike shop that specializes in uh, electric bikes for families. And we would get so many families coming in saying, we want to replace our car. Mm-hmm. And just to see, you know, the freedom that it opens up for them and how much joy the kids get being on the bike with their parents. It's really, really fun. Um, and I work in sustainability for a living outside of bikes. And I really think that that's, that's the future. We've got to get away from cars. I love that. Got any hope. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. It's I'm in Atlanta. So there was a sweet spot in the pandemic when it was awesome to ride your bike around, but now people are just, you know, that pandemic anger right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's and I, I really time. hope that we can remember like how nice it was when there wasn't any traffic and when everybody was on their bikes. So Same. have you seen that, that show that Atten, David Attenborough hosted about Which how one? the earth changed, like the earth in 2020, how much it changed just no. from, oh, it's, it's ridiculous. Just how the, how the planet was immediately healing itself. And there was, there was one guy in India that was like, they came out of their backyard one day and could see the Himalayan mountains and they hadn't ever seen them ever. Yeah. And could I, see I him because the smog had cleared. It was it's a great, I mean, I don't remember what it was called, but it was really good. And is it on Netflix? Do you remember? Or where, where did you stop? It was, uh, it was that or Hulu, something like that, but okay. we'll have to find it and put it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, please do. I'd be really interested. Uh, sometimes I love David Attenborough, but right. I watched, what was it like the, our planet or something. And just like when those seals were like throwing themselves off the rock, I was like, I can't take this anymore. <laughs> watch that animal things. Even TikTok, my friend was like, you need to get on TikTok to find videos for something. And I was like, no, because people put really sad animal videos on TikTok. I can't they do, do it. Do? Yeah. You do. And then once you get, because then you get the funny ones and then it knows you want animal videos and it gives you the one, but I had to put my dog to sleep and I'm like, I'm oh. destroyed the rest of the night. Somehow I've landed on old people TikTok. Which is, <laughs> it's like the most wholesome version of TikTok. And uh, I actually put it on my Instagram stories last night. It's like this Grange in, I don't know, somewhere rural. And they were like, welcome to Friday night. And it was like all these old people like going to the Grange for Friday night dance. And it was so wholesome. And I was like, yes, I cannot wait to get old and like do this. And Grange, I could probably go do it now, but it just made me really happy. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. I don't know. There's, there's a lot of bad stuff out there in the world, but I, I like my wholesome TikTok. (laughs) Well, speaking of something good out in the world, you were just in a film that was produced by Shimano. Yes. Yes. All bodies on bikes came out. Oh my gosh. Just about a month ago. It feels like my life has turned upside down in this very short month. It's been very fun. I was going to say, you're kind of famous now. It's weird. Uh, the last like three bike rides I've gone on, people have recognized me. Um, so I feel like I have to be really careful of like, am I doing a good job representing the bike community? (laughs) Don't flip people off when you're riding now. (laughs) I wouldn't do that anyway. But even Um, so, just like, you know, 
being a good representative for the people. Yeah. Well, so tell us how that uh, came about. That was what sure. you were going to ask, wasn't it, Christy? Yeah. I was like, I want to know how we got here. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really exciting because I, something that I never expected, I'm still in disbelief. Um, so I've been doing fat activism, um, in biking work for years, um, both on my blog and just in person and trying to tweet to the companies and put it in, tag them in my Instagram stories, or I guess stories went around, but my posts of, Hey, I need a rain jacket. Please make this in my size. And felt like it was going nowhere and kind of long story short, um, started, or I did a presentation at the WTF bike explorer summit, which is rebranded as radical adventure riders. Um, it's kind of an inclusive group for women, trans, femme, non-binary identified people. Um, we had our, the first summit in Montana, um, I think it was in 20, it was either 2017 or 2018. My memory is horrible. Um, and I kind of hosted an off the cuff discussion about body size inclusion in cycling. And um, from there realized, hey, this could be a real thing that there's a lot of work to do in this space. And a lot of people um, really identify with this. Um, around that same time, discovered Kaylee on Instagram. I think we talked about this in the film. And she was riding across Alaska as part of Lael Wilcox's uh, Ride Across Alaska Scholarship. Um, and so we connected and um, just started chatting very informally. And then um, the WTF Bike Explorer Summit happened the next year. And we said, hey, let's put our brains together and submit a proposal to actually run a workshop at the summit. Um, and we expected, you know, maybe 10 people to show up to our workshop. Um, and then like, I don't know, 75, maybe 100 people showed up, including folks like from the industry. So there were a lot of um, bike industry people at the second summit. And the feedback we got was just overwhelming of, you know, you guys brought up so many points that we had never even thought about. We want to be inclusive. We don't know where to start. Like, holy cow, we didn't even think about this whole segment of the population that we are excluding without realizing. So um, kind of spiraled from there and a good friend encouraged us to continue to do these workshops. Um, so we submitted to the League of American Bicyclists um, at their national summit, their big advocacy organization. COVID hit, we didn't end up going to Washington DC to do this, but um, I think that was kind of a blessing because then we were able to do these workshops online. Um, long story short, Kaylee went to college with the filmmaker Zeppelin, who was the director. He heard about this um, and said, hey, this would make a really compelling film. Let me see what I can do. Like, would you guys be okay with your story being told? Um, so he reached out to Shimano, um, pitched the story idea, and Shimano said, yes, we want to tell your story. Um, so then got the funding and he then hooked up with the filmmakers, Sweetgrass Production, and um, we went from there. Uh, I was initially really hesitant because we started talking about this like at the very beginning of COVID of like, let's go on a bikepacking trip and film you. And I was like, guys, there's a pandemic. Like, I'm not going bikepacking with a bunch of strangers uh uh-uh and uh obviously I got convinced <laughs> and it all worked out just fine you know we we were pretty strict about uh quarantine beforehand and getting tested and all of that but I'm really really grateful for how it's worked out um so yeah that's that's how it all came to be and it, Shimano has been an amazing partner to work with through all of this and um I think their team has learned a lot we've learned a lot um, and it's been really cool to just kind of see the industry embrace this with open arms. That's been the coolest part about it is, is watching that, um, how it just really grabbed hold and went. I mean, Shimano is a great company to work with too. So it's like, I mean, <clears throat> kind of lightning in a bottle. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. It, it's, it's funny because we, <laughs> we've been trying to reach out to these companies and like <laughs> we got the biggest one. And like when Shimano does something, it feels like everybody listens. Um, and so we have done internal trainings with the Shimano marketing team um, about how to be better allies, how to be more inclusive. 
And then we've talked to the Shimano Europe team um, about the same thing. Uh, we're talking to other bike companies because um, the bike industry for how impactful it is, it's actually a pretty small Tiny. group of people and they talk to each other. Um, so, you know, getting emails from the marketing director of this company who said, hey, we took this training. Um, like, could you do it for us too? Can you do it for us? And it's just been really, really cool to have these conversations and everybody recognizes that there is work to do in this space and they want to do better. Um, haven't really heard from anybody that says like, no, we don't want to do this. Like literally every single company or brand has said, yeah, this needs to happen. So it's been very validating. That's awesome to hear. I, I would love to hear like, what are some of the things, so you've been cycling for eight years, you said now? Yeah, as an adult. I mean, I grew up riding a bike as a kid, but yeah, basically. So what are some of the maybe obstacles that you've run into and what are some of the things you're seeing like improve over time? Yeah, so I think to start with, um, even just finding a bike and getting taken seriously at a bike shop. Um, when I first went into bike shops, there was, I think, uh, the perception, at least on my end, when I'd walk in that I was a beginner, you know, regardless mm -hmm. of how long I'd been riding for that, um, you know, I would always need to be on a hybrid bicycle or, uh, and I want to be very clear. There's nothing wrong with being a, being a beginner or being on a hybrid, um, totally supportive of folks who are in that space. Um, but everybody should be treated with respect when they go into a shop, regardless of how big or small they are. Um, and so now I think a lot of shops are realizing that there has been a problem with how people, especially women, are treated at shops. Um, and if you don't fit the image of what a cyclist is, um, you might not have had the best experience. I think there's also been a lot of, um, I don't want to say this, um, more knowledge gained, I think, about weight limits. So like at first, when I started looking at like road bikes or cyclocross bikes and just even having the conversation of like, hey, will this bike work for me? They'd be like, well, I don't know, just stand over it and see. It's like, that's not what I'm asking. You know, is there a weight limit to the frame? Will these wheels work for me? And mm -hmm. there was just a lack of education. And now I'm seeing when you go to like the FAQ page for seat posts, like that's the first question on there is what's the weight limit? Or when you go look for saddles, like companies are really surfacing that information and bringing it to the forefront. Um, I'm still having trouble finding clothes. It's getting better, um, but trying to find something beyond um, a size like 18 in cycling clothes is really, really hard. Um, and that can be a really big barrier for a lot of people. Um, for me, I've kind of gotten over it and I'm fine riding in a shirt and leggings. Um, and I have found, there's a couple brands out there who have done inclusive sizing and that's what I'm able to ride in. Um, I'm also very fortunate to be sponsored by a couple companies. And so cost isn't a barrier, mm -hmm. but for a lot of folks who are newer to cycling, like there's no entry level, um, bike shorts under a hundred bucks. Right. And so if your budget is limited, trying to find a pair of shorts to fit you can be really, it can be next to impossible. Um, so I think those are the kinds of things and challenges that I'm seeing that are getting better, but I think there's still a lot of work to be done there. I think also just in bike culture in general, um, and this could just be my experience. And again, I'm coming to this from an American perspective. Um, I think things used to be very, very like sport and racing focused. And the only group rides you could find were, hey, we're gonna all kit up in Lycra and go on a 25 mile really fast ride. And now I think there are more community groups um, who are inviting folks to just come out and ride for a casual social ride. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I'm seeing. I hope we don't lose sight of that. I mean, and like, like the idea that as we're, as we're encouraging these brands to make these more inclusive sizes, if you don't want the energy behind that to go away, you know, um, right. You know, obviously it's, it's exciting to see the interest 
there. And I'm just hoping that that maintains to be part, a new part of our culture. Like this is just how it is now. And we don't have to have these discussions over and over and over again that. Yes, me too. I really, really hope so. Um, Like Athleta just came out with, um, I think up to three or four X um, in almost all of their clothing, which is so rad. I think, you know, so many times, especially growing up as a kid and as a teenager, I would go shopping with my friends and I've always been bigger than my friends um, and often needed to shop at plus size stores, but I'd go to, you know, Gap or American Eagle or Hollister or whatever and not be able to shop with my friends. And I just think about, you know, what it would be like to be a teenage girl or, um, a a college girl and like go to Athleta and be able to try on clothes with your friends like how cool is that and like (laughs) I'm really excited granted I'm not doing it right now because of the pandemic but I'm so excited to go there with some of my friends who are like in smaller bodies and like be able to try on things together like that's a big thing um yeah I've never had that experience like yeah well Lululemon also just had Myrna uh Valerio um, Mm -hmm their model and we actually had her at our feisty women's performance summit she was the opening keynote and just kind of talked a lot about her journey and stuff and she's like I would have never imagined I would be in Times Square on Lulu you know Lulu yeah. store um to sign kind of some of the same things you're saying like how culture is shifting and we're starting to like not equate health with thin exactly yeah I'm <laughs> Um, I've never met Myrna, but she convinced me to do, to sign up for the steamboat gravel race. Oh, no, we uh, we'll be there too. <laughs> so we are both doing the 64 mile race together. Oh, I'm doing it too. We can all ride together. Perfect. Um, <laughs> I will warn you, I don't have a competitive cell in my body. Um, well, so- I had it beaten out of me after years in triathlon. I don't really care about competing anymore. <laughs> okay. Like I want to do it. I want to feel good. And I want to have fun. Um, I want to take lots like- of pictures and videos. <laughs> yes. Yes. So that sounds great. And I love going downhill really fast. Um, but uphill. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm 5'10 and post pandemic, I am like close to 200 pounds, but it doesn't, people don't it doesn't look like that on me because I'm tall. Right. So like you, when you're tall, but my little tiny skinny triathlon friends, when we got ride together on their gravel bikes and they beat me up the hills, but man, I get them downhill one. Cause they're really bad at going downhill. And two, cause I've got a lot of more weight. Mm-hmm. No, I'm excited to see just where all this goes. And obviously you're well, maybe not obviously, but I know you're coming to unbound gravel this year and riding the 50. So I can't wait to host you here yes. be, I mean we'll have the girls gone gravel crew here so it's yeah unbound will be like my first gravel event of any kind I've done a lot of like unsanctioned gravel riding up here in the northwest and a lot of like bike packing um I have no idea what to expect um any any tips for me or um tubeless <laughs> okay yep I'm, I'm actually <laughs> I slashed, so I, my, my setup is tubeless and I slashed, um, a sidewall this weekend. So I need to actually replace the tire. I had to boot it and put a tube in it to, to complete. I'm, my I'm ride, happy to is... hear, you know how to do that. Cause that oh, is yeah. the number one mechanical out here. So, um, is it goat heads or is it just sharp rocks or sharp rocks? Okay. It's the, it, you're riding in the Flint Hills and they're full of Flint, which is, okay. um, sharp, yeah. sharp. <laughs> flakes off and it's super sharp, like a knife. Okay. Slice your tire open. Yeah. I did a lot of group rides this last weekend and one guy, bless his heart. We only had two flat tires, but he had both of them. (laughs) That's the worst when you're that person. It is. And it was like the back tire at the beginning and then the front tire within like five miles from the finish. And I was like, Oh, and it was the slide wall. So we couldn't, you know, it was, we had to do the whole thing and he had sealant all over him. I was just you know? Yeah. But yeah, it's the, it's the rock here. It's just super unfriendly. Um, but yeah, it's, that would be the big one. Um, when you get here, uh, just make sure you go see the start. So, you know how it rolls out. Okay. Cause there's one section that's kind of chunky and, and, and not super fun when you're, you know, rolling out among, among a lot, lots of people. So if you know it, 
then you're comfortable with it and you're not worried about it. Cool. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's, a, it's beautiful and it's going to be fun. And I think people are going to be stoked to be, you know, out and about. I mean, obviously there's still a pan pandemic and uh, Kansas has lifted all of its mask mandates. So we're, we're navigating that. Um, cause you know, people around here are not wearing in shock at this event <laughs> coming from Seattle. Yeah. Like it's, we wear a mask to like walk our dogs and like, I have to wear a mask when I go out. I live in an apartment and mm -hmm. when I get in my elevator, elevator building or my elevator, my building, I have to wear a mask. So yeah. I will probably be wearing a mask. No, I think you should. I'm sure I'll be wearing a mask and, yeah. um, I've been vaccinated. I'm through all of that, but same. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, it's going to be the good thing is, is like, we don't have anything inside except the rider check-in is the only thing that's inside. And that will be monitored with how many people come in and out. So cool. everything else will be outside. Yeah. And we're just hoping for good weather. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, well, oh, now I'm going to go puke. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's the most stressful part. about. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I grew up in DFW. So, or like Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. So mm -hmm. I remember like how wild the thunderstorms can be. Yep. Um, For it sure. could be fun. <laughs> it'll all be fun. I mean, it'll just be fun to be with a group of people that have something in common. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm honestly so excited. I haven't so this past weekend. I think I read, I think I said I went bikepacking with friends for the first time since COVID and even just being around like six people, I was like, how do I talk to my friends again? Like yeah. do we share a stove. What do we do? Um, after a year of doing everything alone. So I can't even imagine how many riders are you expecting for unbound? Um, we, we capped it a lot lower this year. So I think the 50 will have, I'm going to guess around 300 or so at the start, Okay, three to 350. Um, it's normally been around five to five fifty, okay. um, and then you're, you will take off the 25 milers will be with you too, but they'll be back. And there's about 150 of those. So, but yeah, it's going to be great. I'm so excited. Good. Yeah. I'm <laughs> honestly too. so, so excited, partially because my family lives there. So I get to yeah. see them. Um, and it's just a really great reason to get out and see some of my sponsors and like Pearl Zumi is going to be there. Shimano will be there. You guys will be there. It's gonna be a great time, I think, and get my feet wet into this Yay. bike world that I've entered. <laughs> yeah. You've been more bike packing, right? Yes. Um, yeah. So I, I do a lot of bike camping and bike packing. That's kind of my jam. Um, go slow, eat, have fun, sleep when I'm tired. <laughs> when, if I move out there, I'll come bike packing with you, but, I'll, but I would prefer if we could like go to like a hotel or something. Yeah. That's not bike packing. <laughs> okay. So I teach, I teach classes for like bike camping for beginners and I'm very adamant that there's no rules. So if you want to go to a hotel, thank you. <laughs> you can go to a hotel. Like, I want to, I want to go place to place, but I don't want to sleep on the ground. <laughs> that's fine. Um, but they also make like really cush, uh, pads like sleeping pads yeah. <laughs> i want a bathroom we can go to a park a state park that has a bathroom uh, maybe we can also go to a hotel um or an airbnb or a yurt or like like i said there's no rules we can i love it i love yeah. it we can do whatever we want. my cousin lives in um germany in the black forest area and then our other cousin lives in switzerland in zurich and our my friend chloe who's a bike fitter lives there and so our plan right now in 2022 is I'm going to go over and we're going to bike from his house in the black forest to Switzerland. And he's like, but we're going to stay in hotels. I hope that's okay. I was like, yes. That sounds like a dream trip. Yeah. I think it'll be pretty fun. I hear it's a little hilly. <laughs> Just <laughs> ride an e-bike. Again, no rules. Like it's true. It's true. It's true. I, well, I loved kind of that philosophy of no rules. Cause I think we put a lot of rules on ourselves for, for biking we too. Do. Does that, is that part of what helps you stay motivated? Totally. And like recognizing there's no trophies for this. Like, unless you're like a legit pro, like there's nobody giving out trophies when you finish your ride. Um, so I, and I think, yeah, I think we impose these like unnecessary restrictions and, um, rules on ourselves that kind of limit us from having fun. So for me, I just try and remember like, 
why I'm out there and like riding my bike should be a fun, joyful thing. And that really helps me stay motivated. Um, you know, some other ways are just like making sure that I'm fully prepared for every ride. So like checking in of like, Hey, did I eat breakfast today? Like, did I hydrate? Like, what am I going to wear? And then like, is there some place fun that I can go to on this bike ride instead of doing the same loop, like over and over. Cause I, I fall into the set that same pattern too, of like, cool. I want to get some miles in. I'm just going to do the same loop. Like, huh, is there a cool garden I can go to? Is there a friend I can ride by and see? Like all of those things really keep me motivated. You really look for the adventure in it. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Like why else, why else would you ride your bike? Well, have you met any triathletes? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Catherine, no rules. That's how they want to ride their bike. That's how they can ride their bike. (laughs) I thought about doing a triathlon and then I tried running and was like, this is not fun. I don't want to do this. (laughs) There are, especially a lot of people. Well, when you get to like the long distance triathlons, there's a lot of walking, but there are a lot of people that do it and just like walk the run. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, maybe I would love a relay style triathlon Mm. or a duathlon or maybe just a bikeathlon. <laughs> I love a duathlon because you. Well, bike. I've got your bikeathlon right here. You run, bike, <laughs> run for a duathlon. Oh, isn't there like a swim, bike, run? That's an aqua, swim? aqua, aqua bike. Oh, there's everything in triathlon. You could do everything. Aqua bikes are are fun. I actually had a running injury for a while, and I dominated aqua bike. Yeah, and I kind of loved it because I don't really like to run that much either. Yeah, I. You know, I. I love the idea of running and like, I watch Myrna do it and I'm just like, she looks like she's having so much fun and so joyful. And the idea of trail running seems so fun. Um, and there's a lot of really attractive people who trail run. Um, so I wouldn't mind like joining that community, but it's just, no, not for me. Um, she might <laughs> talk you into it out in steamboat. What was that? She might, oh, she might try and talk me into it. Out in steamboat. No, I'll be her support and I will hang out inside of the trail and like give her snacks. That's actually pretty fun to do at long, like ultra races and stuff. Yeah. To be somebody's support crew. Um, I've done that before too. I, I do that at cyclocross races for my friends. Um, Cause like I said, I just don't have a competitive ounce in my body, but I'm happy to stand on the side and like give them bacon or donuts or whiskey no. or no, bacon sounds really good right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just sitting here thinking, I was like, I have to go to the grocery store. And then you said bacon. I was like, Oh, that sounds really good. <laughs> That's a little a, breakfast for dinner. That's hilarious. I, there is nothing better than breakfast for dinner. Agreed. I'm yeah. not a breakfast person, but I, well, okay. Okay. I don't like, I don't, I'm not ready to eat breakfast in the morning, but I like breakfast food. So it's like breakfast for dinner is like, I'm sorry. I completely shifted the topic. You, but you said, bacon. Like, I'm ready for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready for dinner. <laughs> Um, okay. Well, I have another question for Marley. I remember the question I was telling you that somebody said that I should ask, cause we did a podcast a few weeks ago just about, um, with the, our friend Claire and talking about making start lines more inclusive and talking specifically about what a lot of places are doing, um, for women. But, uh, one of the people responded they were like, I'd love for you to ask guests, like what have people done to make them feel included? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask you that question. Um, have clothing in my size is a really big thing. Um, so Steamboat Gravel did actually did a great job with this. So when I, um, registered and went to look at the kit, um, I think it only went up to like an XL in the kit that was available, but the, uh, manufacturer that they had making it, like I went to the size chart and it went up to like a five or six L. So I wrote to the organizers and sent them an email and said, Hey, is it possible to get these larger sizes made? Um, as part of the kit. And they wrote back and said, let me get back to you. Um, Sure enough. Yeah. Um, And so it didn't necessarily make me feel included that I had to specifically ask for it. But whenever I register for an event, and that is like automatically a choice um, that I can get, you know, a 3XL or a 4XL or whatever size I might need, um, that always makes me feel really good. other options, um, I, I identify as a queer person. Um, and even though like I've never had a race ask about my sexual identity, being part of the queer community 
when there are um, gender options, even though I do also identify as a cis uh, woman, when there are like other options between or besides just man or male, female, I feel included there as well, because I do feel like my friends and um, folks I'm very close to would also feel included. So those are those are two really big things for me. Um, and then just like when it comes to the actual event, um, having like seating that is inclusive and this might sound silly and you might be like, what are you talking about? Um, but like chairs that are really flimsy or have like arms that are really narrow, those are like a fat person's worst enemy. Cause you look at those and it's like, I'm going to break that dang chair. Um, so just little things like that make me feel really included. Yeah. Those are great. And those are like super easy things to do, right? Yeah. Just having done a kit order, it doesn't cost me anymore to like have all the size runs right in there. Um, and it doesn't like a lifetime just added um, a non-binary category. I saw that. This yeah. Past which- year. We, we had Rach McBride on earlier in the year, who's an, a non-binary triathlete. And they talked a lot about that very thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I did a, I did a survey of my Instagram followers. Um, I think it was last week and almost a quarter of them identify as either non-binary or genderqueer, which I thought was fascinating. Um, I, I didn't expect the number to be so high, uh, but I think it's really, really rad. That's cool. Yeah. And I need to go look and see what our sizing is on our website. <laughs> like, uh... like, what is it? <laughs> I mean, that's the thing is like, I'm, I'm grateful that you wrote, I'm, it's, I'm sure it was Amy Charity or somebody there. Yeah, there. Amy, yeah. yeah. And she's also a Pearl Azumi ambassador. So we have that relationship, which is great. But I mean, like it's, it's helpful. Like, of course I want to make you feel included. And if I'm not, if you tell me, then I'm going to do everything I can to make, make it better. I mean, right. and I think, I think mostly that's most race directors are there to put on an experience for people and they want you to feel good. Um, I mean, that's why I do it. Yeah. And, and so, you know, if I'm making a mistake, I want to be able to correct it. Exactly. And I've put on um, a couple alley cats. Um, I don't know if y'all are familiar with what alley cats are. So it's like an unsanctioned, uh, Catherine, your, your face is just like, I've never heard of that term. <laughs> so for those who haven't heard of what an alley cat is, uh, it kind of comes from the bike messenger scene. Um, somebody out there will probably correct me on this, but my understanding is that they often started, I think it was either San Francisco or New York, but it's like an unsanctioned race where um, you are given a manifest at the beginning with a number of different checkpoints. Um, you choose what order you go to in um, and your route to get there. And then basically the first person to the end wins. And so I've worked with my friend Monica to put on um, a women trans femme specific alley cat in Seattle for the past couple of years. Um, we didn't do it this year because of COVID. Um, but same, you know, if somebody actually, we did get that feedback, it used to be called girls of summer. And we got feedback from the community that our name sucked because there were folks, you know, we said it was girls of summer, but it was open to trans and non-binary people, but that the name didn't actually represent that. Um, so we, we changed the name. Um, but yeah, same Christy, you know, as a event planner, like you want to hear that feedback. You're not doing it to be exclusive or, or to be hurtful. And that's part of why I do the work that I do mm-hmm. and approach it with a inviting, inclusive attitude of, hey, I think we do want to do better for everyone. I'm not here to call you out. I'm not here to be mean. I'm not here to get angry. Like, let's create a better community together. Yeah. So that's really my approach to all of this. Yeah. I love that. The, uh, Liv Feisty, who does our podcast, they had a conversation on one of theirs, which I loved is instead of calling people out, call people in yeah. the conversation of, and I just found that so much more powerful, right? Like we're such a call out culture right now. And sometimes people need to be called out, like, yeah. to be honest, but often we just need to call them in to the conversation and like you're you're having to lead the way in this, right? Because there haven't been a lot of fat people showing up at events or, or maybe they've not felt like they were welcome in the past. And you're like, I'm going to go and I'm going to make a place for people. Yeah. And I think to be fair, I'm able to do that because I have privilege in a lot of other spaces in my life. 
and I'm not fighting these uphill battles in other places. Right. You know, I, I am a white woman. I have a lot of privilege in that space. Like I'm cisgendered. I have privilege there. I'm a small fat person. So, um, we, we didn't really get into this too much in the film. We tried to, but, um, of course some things get left on the cutting room floor. Um, but fatness comes just like sexuality and all sorts of things. It exists on a spectrum. Um, so there's small fats, which me and Kaylee are like small to mid fat. And then there's people who are much larger than us who experience much more discrimination. Um, you know, much more hardship, whether that's getting on an airplane or going to the doctor's office or finding clothes, like, sure. My complaint is finding bike clothes. Um, but I can still find jeans or underwear or bras, but if you're in a body that's bigger than me, you might not be able to find that at all. Um, so I just really try and be cognizant of that and recognize that like, I'm able to choose the battles that I fight Mm -hmm. because I do have privilege in these other spaces. So that's a really great point. Like we could go on on that forever. We could. Yeah. Really? Because there's a lot of people that don't understand, you know, like I worked for everything I had and I deserve this and what, and I'm like, well, yeah, but you, your starting point, your jumping off spot was way different than other people. Like exactly. You're, you're sitting in a place of privilege just right now. And you don't even know, you don't recognize that. Yeah. So. Which doesn't undervalue your work and the things no. you put in to get to where you are or whatever, but it's still, it means that you, the door was opened a little more easily. Totally. Oh, yeah. yeah. And there are a lot of folks out there who have kind of laid the groundwork in this space. There's a lot of like you know scholars and fat activists who have done the really hard work to like even give me the language to talk about this. You know, I three or four years ago, I don't think I would have even called myself a fat person. I would have been too ashamed to do that. And there's a lot of really, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this word, like badass uh, <laughs> um, people who have made me feel comfortable and confident in who I am. And a lot of that's been on the Instagram community, um, but also just like authors and activists, Roxanne Gay is one of them, um, who have made me feel like it's okay to speak out and to say this. And I don't have to shrink my body to have worth, you know? Yeah. So Well, you glow with your confidence and oh, thank you. feeling like your mission and what you're supposed to accomplish. So <laughs> you're doing a good job. Yeah. I'm trying to channel that there. I went bike. I shouldn't actually say this out loud because I'll probably listen to this. I went bikepacking with this man that I have a crush on. I'm trying to channel that confidence into asking him out. Well, maybe if you're listening to this, maybe you need to ask Marley out man that Marley has a crush on (laughs) bikepacking trip. (laughs) I think he does it. it We had a really good time. It was a good trip. That's so fun. Well, t- before it. we go, tell us about your project that you're doing. You're doing this with Kaylee, right? The uh, bike packing for bigger people. Yeah. Um, so it's, it, yeah, so it's a biking for bigger people. Um, so we're doing a, just a bunch of different classes. Um, you can find out the information on my website, just marleyblonsky.com. Um, and it's um, Zoom classes. So we record them and you can listen to them later, but there is a lot of really great conversation that happens in the class. And we go over all sorts of things, um, how to how to buy, a, so we started at the beginning of like, what to look for in a bicycle, um, how to fit a bicycle to you as a bigger person, um, saddle choice, clothing, riding techniques, um, just a lot of the questions that Kaylee and I have gotten over the years, we have put together in a one hour seminar. Um, and then we stick around for questions. Um, we also have a Facebook community called All Bodies on Bikes, where folks are sharing pictures and, um, you know, bouncing ideas off each other for um, just all sorts of different questions that they might have. Um, So it's really starting to grow into um, this beautiful little community creature. Um, And hopefully once COVID is long gone, we'll be able to do some in-person rides and really turn it into, you know, I'm not entirely sure what it's going to turn into, but we're here for it. <laughs> oh, it's going to turn into something big. I can, I can already tell you. I hope so. You know, in my dream world, it would be its own brand and we would make bicycles that fit 
bodies of all sizes and clothing of all sizes. And um, it would just be its own little thing. So look for it one day. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah, truly. Putting that dream out to the world now. <laughs> I just started following you on Instagram. So we'll put that in the show notes too, but where else can we find you? Um, I have a website, marluplonsky.com um, and then Facebook, but I'm, I'm not on Facebook often. I think Instagram is probably the best place, Instagram cool. or my website. Yeah, but you are in our Facebook group. So yes, I'm also in your Facebook group. Yeah. I've seen you answer a couple of questions here and there. So yes, um, I do my best to engage there. I just, I know Instagram yeah. is easier sometimes on Instagram, but yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I cannot wait to meet you in a few weeks. Yes, I'm really, really excited. You have been listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. This podcast is edited and produced by the team at Live Feisty Media. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating. It really helps other women find the podcast. And be sure to follow us at Girls Gone Gravel on Instagram or Facebook.